What's going on, everybody? This is Colby Berg in North Salt Lake. I'm joined by my good friend, Kurt Pruitt. Kurt, it's been a long couple of days. How are you feeling, man? Is it safe to come out yet? <laughs> we've, been, we've been living in the, the bomb shelter for a few days now, and we've really been waiting. We're sorry for everyone that... I guess there's a few, like maybe like five of you that have been waiting to hear this. We, we want to apologize. We were waiting for Kawhi Leonard to make his decision, and he hasn't yet. So we know there's one more nuke looming in the distance, but we wanted to peek our heads out here and kind of get some coverage because I got to say the past like three or four days of the NBA might be the craziest uh, free agency that this league's seen in a really long time, Berg. Dude, I can't even believe it. Uh, first of all, Kawhi's a coward for not making his decision yet. This is 8.48 on Tuesday, uh, what is it, July 2nd, um, and we are still refreshing our timelines like crazy. He still hasn't made his decision. There's a bunch of fake Reddit accounts, Laker accounts, trying to convince the world that Kawhi's made his decision and gone to the Lakers. We'll get to that in a second, but, uh, but yeah, man, the last three to four days have been absolutely insane. Um, as we know, the, the free agency madness kicked off on Saturday. No, wait, no, it was Sunday. Sunday. I can't even keep the day straight. It's been so crazy. Kurt, yeah. tell me about your Sunday. What were you up to? So, Sunday was a day of hiking in the morning. Got a little brunch action going on with the wife. We were having a good time. It started to rain on us, so we go home and... I was able to kind of stay busy throughout the day. And the next thing I know, it was like T minus two hours. And then stuff started breaking two hours early. Uh, the Kevin Durant and the Kyrie Irving stuff started coming out before the free agency started. And our, t- our text thread blew up there for a little bit. And then we had another silence. And then, I'm not kidding you, the floodgates just freaking opened wide. Our great friend, Tom Barnes, was actually over uh, at my house with his wife and his beautiful family. Shout out to the Barneses. And... We warned our wives that we're going to be on our phones for the next however many hours we needed because things were absolutely insane. I mean, bomb after bomb after bomb dropping on us. Berg, what were you up to? Dude, it, it's funny because this is a time that, I mean, we've been waiting. We were waiting for Sunday afternoon for like the last, like, honestly, since the Conley deal went down, we knew that the Jazz were going to really be all in and, and be really aggressive. And so I was actually up at my family cabin. I went up on Saturday, and I knew that Sunday at 4 o'clock that the craziness would start, so I was trying to plan my day around it. Normally, I go up to my cabin. I put away my phone. I try and take in the fresh air, hang out, you know, throw a line in the river, uh, chill with the family. Everybody was in town. That's normally what I do. I like to get away from the world, but uh, the service, cell phone service is a little shoddy too. Um, so it was interesting. On Saturday night, some jazz-related news started to come out. Well, obviously, Kemba – um, I think we found out that Kemba was going to go to the Boston Celtics and then all of a sudden I start refresh. I'm in my cabin and like I say, service is kind of spotty. And so you have to do a bunch of crazy things. You have to like stand in a certain spot, and like basically do headstands and touch, you know, the <laughs> phone the right way on the wall to yeah. just a bunch of sick stuff. You can picture it. And I'm refreshing my Twitter timeline because all of a sudden Bobby Portis is interested in the jazz. All of a sudden the jazz are interested in Miritich. All of a sudden Miritich says he's going to flip in the sunshine in Barcelona and so Jazz are moving on to Boyan Bogdanovich and just insanity. And that happened, uh, what, that happened Saturday night. And then Sunday I was like, all right, I got to get out of my cabin before 4 o'clock. 
um, I got to be home. And of course, as soon as I'm driving down Parley's, uh, that's a canyon in Utah, by the way, on the, from Park City that leads down to the Valley of Salt Lake. Uh, the Kevin Durant news breaks, and then it's honestly just straight pandemonium from there. So it was it was a pretty a pretty eventful afternoon, and uh, I regret looking. At, actually, I don't, I don't know if I regret or not looking at my phone speeding down the canyon. I looked up, and I was going ninety five, and I wasn't oh really paying attention. My and so, gosh, don't admit that on here. <laughs> I have to edit that out now. I, don't I want took the pledge, to and I put my phone away after that. <laughs> you were you were literally a, a human missile, just refreshing NBA Twitter. Honestly, it's not safe, and I don't condone it. But I had the watch. I had the I had Adrian Wojnarowski and Shams uh, tweet notification set up, so it buzzed my watch. And uh, I looked. And I, I had to look at my phone. Real obviously, quick. so it was one of those things where, yeah, you're anyway, forgiven. You're forgiven. It was craziness. So we should probably, uh, you know, break down a little bit of, of what happened, and we can try and go in sequential order if we want to as as things went along. But it was, you know, just like you mentioned. Adrian Wojnarowski was dropping his bombs all over the place, and it was uh, just pure carnage. Yeah, it was absolutely insane. Um, real quick, I, I kind of want to just like get my get this off my chest. Um, the New York Knicks might be—I'm not, I'm not going to say might be—they are the worst-ran organization in professional sports, dude. Like, like <laughs> I don't—I don't know any Knicks fans besides Worldwide Wob or whatever. I don't know how this team gets covered so much, obviously, because they're in New York City. They're the biggest market in the world. But, man, imagine being a fan of that franchise right now. Like, you had this two-year, three-year plan to dump the entire team. You get rid of the unicorn to build room for this crazy offseason you were expecting just to get punked by your little brothers in Brooklyn. Are you kidding me? Dude, honestly, even just putting my trying to put myself in their position as, like, as an innocent just good-hearted Knicks fan, it hurts so bad because literally they, they've squandered every opportunity they've had. Um, just like you mentioned, they've basically spent the last three years preparing for this free agency. And their owner went on the radio, what, like three months ago on New York radio and said that, oh, yeah, you know, we've got uh, lots of interest from big-name free agents and we're excited. We I don't want to say anything too much right now because I want to get fined for tampering. And then Literally to watch it all blow up this way, uh, Dolan came out and said that they weren't, um, they were wary of, of of even offering Kevin Durant the max, and that uh, you know ultimately they were just like we had that we had his medicals and we weren't going to offer him, and it's just I don't know it's just kind of funny I feel like you know the Warriors were going to offer him the five year max they have his medicals they know they know his situation more than anybody but uh, but the Knicks didn't and now they're going to be led by Julius Randle and Bobby Portis, who, nothing wrong with Bobby Portis, he was probably going to be our sixth or seventh best player, but now he's probably their second or third best player, and yeah, man, it's uh, it's a rough time to be a Knicks franchise, that said, I'm, I'm a Knicks fan, I'm kind of stoked though, because the, when the large organizations are incompetent, it gives the competent smaller organizations like the Jazz and others a fighting chance, so I, I appreciate the incompetency, and I hope uh, I hope the Knicks keep it up for many years to come. So let's go back to KD real quick. Let, let's let's jump into the KD signing. Like you said, the Knicks weren't willing to pay KD the max, which is stupid because that was the market for him, right? There was multiple teams willing to offer the max. That's our first mistake. But we're done with the Knicks. Okay, cue the conspiracy music, Berg. Kevin Durant liked an IG post that said, 
Kevin Durant will miss the entire 2019-2020 season due to Warriors incompetence. Do you think the way the Warriors handled Kevin Durant burned them in the long run? Or do you think that they knew he was leaving regardless? Dude, we're going to go back to what I said. I think it was out of two episodes ago where I thought that either the Warriors medical staff made a severe mistake and it could have just been a complete misdiagnosis, which is still obviously a huge deal. And they didn't know the extent of the calf injury, which turned into the Achilles tear and that it was uh, just, just a poor diagnosis or they knew he was leaving all along. Draymond knew he was leaving all along, which is why he called him out in that uh, dramatic Clippers game, you know, halfway through the season. Um, that basically the Warriors knew that KD was checked out, and so they were just going to ride him until the wheels fell off anyway. So it's tough to say, I guess, based on that, maybe on based on Kevin Durant liking that picture, maybe he wasn't planning on leaving until that all went down. But uh, yeah, man, I, I think the Warriors will look back and look at a lot of different events over the past couple years, and particularly over the last year, that uh, ultimately were the the few straws that, that broke the camel's back and, and forced KD out of there. And, I mean, I think a lot of it, too, is is a lot of fans didn't put a whole lot of credit on on the, uh, I mean, on the finals games that they won, on the, on the finals they won, just because he joined a 73-win team. And I think he was hoping to get a lot more. I think, actually, even Steve Nash, after the first championship, Steve Nash came out because um, he'd been working with Kevin Durant, and he noted that Kevin didn't seem to be satisfied after the first after that championship win and i think it was because a lot of you know general basketball fans didn't feel that it was you know uh, for lack of a better word a valid title and so i think it was a combination of a lot of things but i don't think the warriors helped yeah listen to this kevin durant on instagram i wandered everywhere through cities and countries wide and everywhere i went the universe was on my side so i think Kevin Durant and Kyrie get to be weird as hell together in Brooklyn, and that's all that matters. They're they're meant for each other. I don't really care. Like they're not going to be good next year. Obviously, Brooklyn had a killer offseason and free agency, and like probably did the best just because they signed two star players. But I really don't care. They're not going to be good next year. I'm for some reason I just not some reason. I mean, I have complete like blinders on for next season and they're both weird asses and I don't really care. Uh, I don't, I don't care. They're, they're on the net. So who cares? Whatever. Um, let's move on. Let's move on to something that was a little bit of a surprise to me. And that is Jimmy Butler, the sign and trade to Miami. Why did Philly get rid? Why did Philly not want to give him the money? You think like what's going on there? Is Jimmy did Jimmy screw himself with the way he handled Minnesota? I have no idea. I'm asking you hypotheticals because we have no insider information. But um, him going to Miami was a little bit of a surprise to me, to be honest. Yeah, it seems like there's wherever Jimmy Butler goes, there's always a little bit of discontent uh, and friction between him and the ownership, or him and the coaching staff, or him and other teammates. I feel like uh, Jimmy Butler is just an abrasive character. Uh, you can't deny his skill; like he's a good freaking player. But I think he just rubs a lot of people the wrong way. And I know he has a little bit of an ego. And so I don't know if it was one of those things where the Sixers weren't willing to offer him the, the full five-year max because of his abrasive character. And at the, 
and not to mention, you know, Embiid is still probably the main guy there, and Simmons and Tobias, and he couldn't really have all the shine. Even though when it when push came to shove, and the games got close in clutch time, Jimmy was the guy was the go to guy and was the one to seal the deal for him in a lot of situations. I think Jimmy's just a weird dude, and he just wanted to go to a place where he would be appreciated. I mean, he only got four years in Miami because that's all they could offer him, but it's a place where they can basically rebuild and completely construct the team around him where that wouldn't necessarily be the case in Philly. So I think it might just be an ego move on that one. It's weird because you can pick up a few things of what a person's like off the court through social media and things like that, and you hear stories about Jimmy Butler doing cool stuff like just getting a throwaway phone and playing pickup ball in Chicago. Uh, against just literally people who show up at the park um, and having that be his offseason. You think Miami, you think like parties and nightclubs and the beach. It doesn't seem like that fits that persona, but we could be completely wrong. Maybe Jimmy wanted a four-year vacation and play basketball while vacationing. I don't know, but he's down there. The East is lining up to be really strange. Um, Another signing that I guess I'll segue into, you brought it up a little bit earlier, the Celtics are replacing... Kyrie Irving with the anti-Kyrie Irving in terms of personality with Kemba Walker. Obviously, I hate the Celtics, like top three hated, I don't know. I I hate the Celtics, but it seems like a good fit for them just in terms of getting a guy that fits the Boston mentality. What do you think about this signing and how he gels with those young guys that like to hoist shots? Man, I mean, from a talent perspective, I feel like Kyrie's better, but that said, from a chemistry and overall adding value or subtracting value from a value perspective to the team, I think, I mean, I'm pretty sure Kemba's going to be an upgrade there. Uh, The other guys just hated playing with Kyrie, and so it was just completely dysfunctional. And so, I mean, Kemba isn't a huge step back by any means. I mean, he's maybe, I can't remember how old he is. They're, they're, I mean, pretty close to Kyrie's age, maybe a couple years older. But, um, yeah, Boston's going to be interesting. They've, They've revamped everything. They lost Horford to the Sixers, which... Again, is uh, Sixers are doing some interesting things, but I think uh, I think Boston will have more of a like a cohesive team, which is definitely going to make I feel like make them much more relevant in the East than maybe they even were last year. Last yeah. year was honestly last year was a straight up soap opera with the with the Celtics. <laughs> yeah, it was nuts, and they need to sign a big man because right now they're probably going to have to put like Jalen Brown at center because everyone knows Gordon Hayward's just scared to go into the paint since he turned his foot inside out a couple of years ago. They signed Cantor. <laughs> Walking double-double. Oh, that's true. They did get Cantor. Did you hear the whole story about that, how the Blazers told Cantor he has six minutes to decide and he was panicking and they said decide now? He said no, and that's how he parted ways with Portland. Yeah, and then Dame called him out right after. Dame's like, he's like, I got to respect my guy, but – Chance, he's like, I know the situation, and they probably gave him 45 minutes. They told him he had 45 minutes, and then they let him know when he had six minutes left and hadn't made a decision yet. <laughs> Granted, 45 minutes is still not a whole lot of time to determine your future, but dude's getting paid regardless. So you think that he would have some sort of contingency plan made up before it came down to crunch time with his agent uh, so he could make quick decisions. But yeah. I, I love how Dame kind of pushed back there. Dame, Dame makes sure he, he makes sure that uh, his people are taken care of. Um, in more ways than one, which is an awesome way, which is a, a big reason why my heart's broken. He'll probably never be a jazz man. I saw a very funny picture someone posted of a young shaggy Gordon Hayward and a young f- frumpier Ennis Cantor 
uh, in jazz uniforms, and it just said unfinished business on it. And I'm like, man, the internet is a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> place. Um, yeah, real quick, uh, since we were talking about Boston, we'll bring up Al Horford here. Signed with the Sixers. This one's an interesting signing because I know Horford played power forward in the past. But they have, I don't know, he seems seems like more of a, a center in his uh, later years in the league. He can shoot. He spreads the floor a little bit, but is this going to gel well? The national media is loving the Sixers right now. They think this is a great signing. I'm just curious to see how he and Embiid will work together. Uh, any take on that? It's interesting. They're doing a little bit of uh... – a zig when the uh, when the league is doing a zag. I mean, their team is massive. They're a bunch of honestly monsters. They've got between Embiid, Tobias, and Al Horford. Like I don't know who's going to play the center. Probably Embiid or probably Horford. I don't know. Tobias maybe will play the three. And I know basketball these days is relatively positionless. So I guess you know they can. It really just depends on who they want to guard, and it's all kind of matchup based. And and Horford can. You know, he can shoot a little bit, and obviously Tobias and Embiid are going to cast, and Embiid's probably going to miss a lot of them. But, uh, and then Ben Simmons, I mean, 6'10 point guard, and then Josh Richardson. Like, he, Josh Richardson's going to be the smallest one on the floor, which He's is six, crazy. 6'6". Six. Smallest uh, guy at 6'6". Six, six. Yeah. So I think, I mean, they really don't have much shooting if you think about it. Tobias is wet, and he's probably going to have to be their number one option. But they lost Redick, and that's a huge loss in my opinion. I mean – I don't know. If I was a Sixers fan, I'd be pretty stressed out right now because they've got a bunch of bigs that, you know, one of them who's mortified behind the three-point line in Ben Simmons who just signed a massive extension. And they're just kind of a, they're just kind of a weird team. I don't know what to think about them. They've got good names. You like it names individually, but from a team aspect, I don't know how – I don't know. I don't like it that much, to be honest. Yeah, that being said, I do think – they have the most interesting and probably geared up team to make a run in the East just on paper, like you said. How they gel will be interesting. I can't believe you're saying that Ben Simmons doesn't shoot threes, dude. What are you talking about? <laughs> He's 0 for 1 in his entire yeah, career. I, mean, I hear <laughs> I, I've seen Instagram pictures of him and Dante Exum playing 2K. I bet he I bet he launches from 2K uh, oh, yeah. when he, you know, plays his Ingles, but I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know in real life. It's who knows? Maybe he'll surprise us all this year. He got paid, so you think they'd say, "Hey, it'd be nice if we took a few more threes, or at least practiced them a little bit." But I don't know. I just I hope they screwed themselves with that contract. Yeah, I do too. I, more than anything, I I really do. Um, just to jump on, JJ Redick is really old and still getting paid really well. Shout out to him for understanding his worth and knowing that a three point shooter can still get paid, even if you're white and really old in this league. Um, he's on the Pelicans, by the way. Um, our beloved Derek Favors, which we'll get into later, joins up with J.J. Redick. I'm now officially a Pelicans fan, if anyone is wondering. Um, going down a little bit of a list here. This this one came late in the night. It's probably the most interesting thing that happened. I would I don't know. It's the D'Angelo Russell trade to the Warriors. At first, we all looked at it kind of like, how's this going to work? They have Clay and they have... Curry, obviously, and maybe they were trying to hedge their bet a little bit on Clay getting back late and making a playoff run and having D'Angelo fill in for Clay throughout the year, and then it started coming out that maybe they're using him for a trade piece. 
Can't ever imagine a team doing a sign-and-trade, maxing a player, then using him as an asset for a trade. Crazy move. This also sent Iguodala to Memphis, who got dumped and got picked up by the Lakers. I mean, there's a chain reaction from this trade. Uh, Berg, do you think do you think at the beginning of the year D'Angelo Russell is on the Warriors? Is he somewhere else? Uh, this is a really hard one to unpack here. That's a tough call. I mean... I guess good for the Warriors, even though I hate them. Good for the good for them. You know they knew that Kevin Durant was going to walk, so at least they could they pulled something off to uh, to get some sort of asset in return. If I had to guess, ooh man, that's that's. <laughs> I bet I bet D'Angelo Russell gets traded before the season starts. I don't know for who. Um, actually, you know what? I'm retracting that opinion, and I'm going to say that. It might be one of those things where the Warriors think, hey, you know what? We probably aren't going to be able to make a huge run this year anyway, or at least we'll see what we have you know, going into the trade deadline. It, they'll check on Clay's progress um, and then maybe determine whether or not they're going to – because at, by that time, there will be a bunch of teams they are trying to sell and buy and make their moves or whatever. And so uh, D'Angelo might have uh, even more of a value halfway through the season. So – I'm going to say he does start the season with the Warriors. Okay. That is fair. I, I'll just do the opposite just to screw you and screw with you. Uh, I don't think he'll be a Warrior. We'll see, though. Um, man, D'Angelo, he really played well in the contract here. This shows what how important that is. Clay Thompson got extended. That's not any news. Chris Middleton got paid. Five years, $178 million contract uh, extension with the Bucks. I'm sure this makes Giannis happy, but do you think it kind of puts the Bucks in a bind? How old is Middleton? Do you know off the top of your head? I'm going to do some. Um, no, I don't know. I, I, I want to say he's like 25. 27. Dude, he uh, looks way uh, older good. than us, and he's a year yo- two years younger almost, man. That makes me feel, makes me feel awful about myself. Yeah, that's uh, wild. It's drafted in 2012. <laughs> oh, man. Um, yeah, so he got paid. Good for him. Um, they ended up losing Malcolm Brogdon. Is that how you say his last name? Brogdon? I'm, you know, I'm bad at names. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's actually the fourth dragon from Game of Thrones. Brogdon. Oh, Brogdon. Okay. Um, the, one <laughs> we didn't, the one we didn't know about. The one that maybe in an alternate universe makes the ending of that series just a little bit more sweeter. Um so what happened with Malcolm is he got traded to the Pacers because uh, we'll unpack this obviously more towards the end because we'll get more into jazz stuff here at the end. But uh, Bogey came to us, so they needed to fill that void. Uh, Pacers made a move, and honestly, good for them. Um, KP, the unicorn, signed a huge deal to stay in Dallas, which I'm sure they were planning on from the beginning. And then I want to get into one of our stupid rivals that I absolutely hate, the Denver Nuggets. Um Extended Jamal Murray for five years for 170 million, and they picked up Paul Millsap's 30 million option. What? Whoa. Are they just planning on like being as good as they were last year and staying there? What? What's that franchise doing? That it sounds like they're pulling a, a Jazz. I mean, they uh, they're running it back just like they did last year, just like we did last year. Um, and yeah, I I thought it was pretty widely accepted they're going to drop Paul Millsap. I low key was kind of hoping that. Maybe we could sign him for, uh, you know, some sort of, you know, if we ended up letting Favors walk, end up picking up Millsap for 15 million or something or 13 million. But 
yeah, Paul shouts to him. He got the team option, 30 mil in his pocket. And I don't know about Jamal Murray, man. I think, I mean, he's good. He's shown flashes. And it just could be me because I hate Denver and every other team in the West as a very unbiased Jazz fan. But, I mean, that's that's a lot of money. And I feel like, he, again, he showed flashes in a few playoff games. But all I know is if I were a Denver fan, I'd be real uneasy about doling out that kind of money for him. It's insane. I mean, he's getting paid more than a lot of really good players in this league. Um, I don't think Jamal. I think I think he's really good. I don't think he's 170 million dollars good. One fun thing is the Lopez brothers are teaming up in Milwaukee this next year. I think that automatically turns the Bucks into must-watch TV. Not because Giannis, the Greek freak Antetokounmpo, but because the Lopez. Sideshow Bob brothers are playing together. That's going to be so fun to watch. Side note: Once upon a time, I, I was in the I was in Florida, and I was walking through the Wizarding World of Harry Potter with Carson Morley, Mitch Florence, and Chase Flint. This was in 2011, and we were walking, about to go get some butterbeer, and these two giants walk right by us, and they're wearing wizard hats, and they turn around, and it's the freaking Lopez twins sipping on some butterbeer with backpacks on wizard hats on and they were just having a merry old time at hogwarts uh whatever the wizarding world of hogwarts is called in florida and uh after that i always had a deep down appreciation for them and their uh appreciation for uh you know magic and uh magical arts so good for them (laughs) side story it's in some other universe they're beaters for the hufflepuff team If 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 yeah, never mind. I'm not going there. Go no, ahead. do it, do it, dude. You you brought something no, up. You have no, to say no, it on the pod. No, no. it's okay. it's too late at this point. It wouldn't be fun anymore. The world's lucky that you dodged the sickness moment from Kobe Berg. Um, <laughs> so here's a little bit of information that came out about Kyrie and Kevin Durant. They took less money so their boy DeAndre Jordan could get paid four years, forty million dollars to play with the Nets. Um, that's the third piece, I guess, to that team. Does DeAndre scare you at all anymore? Uh, no, not really. Especially because I already have Jarrett Allen. He's like he's yeah. he's basically a younger he's a younger DeAndre who's a little bit less thick. I mean, DeAndre has a nice veteran presence, but I mean he he's lost a lot of bit of his jetpack abilities that he had with with the Clippers. I mean in uh, in Dallas, it he just I mean looked like he aged quite a bit. So who knows? Maybe he was just in a, a lame situation that he wasn't happy about and. He'll get his springs back, but, I mean, he can't shoot. He defends all right, but I think they basically got a better player at this point in Jared Allen for much less money. But if it's going to make KD, if it's the price you pay to get Kevin Durant and uh, Kyrie Irving, then I think it's a price you have to pay. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Uh, Let's go into this one, Colby Berg. Our boy, well, not really boy, and Carl would be pissed if I said he was our boy still. Ricky Rubio agreed to... (laughs) Three years, $51 million to play with the Suns. Ricky got paid, man. Ricky got paid, and honestly, good for him. Yeah, dude. I would say that if there was any player that I'd be really stoked to hear about a pretty high overpay, it would be Ricky Rubio. The Suns are borderline even more incompetent than the Knicks. They're just in a obviously less uh, less popular market, and... I mean, they do need a point guard. They lost Alfred Payton, and so they had to pay somebody, and I'm glad it was Ricky. I'm glad he's getting paid. Ricky came out and said before free agency that he wanted to go to a contender, 
and I don't know if that was opposite day or what, but uh, <laughs> he's definitely not going to a contender, maybe a contender for the worst team in the Western Conference. Maybe that's what he wanted to do. I doubt it, but honestly, good for him. I hope he gets takes this money after his contract runs out. He buys a nice house down the road from his the house that he grew up in in Barcelona, and he plays for Barcelona and, and ends his career on a happy note. Or maybe he's a backup point guard in the NBA and uh, wins a ring somewhere. He said, he said Mark inspired him to be a player, like a, a contributor to a contender and win the championship, and he signs with the Suns. And you just said, you, this is what you just said, Berg. You said the Suns lost Alfred Payton, so they they filled that gap with Ricky Rubio. Oh, my gosh, man. Oh, that's just – that hurts to say that out loud. I mean, I love Ricky, but – uh, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll, he'll disappear for three years, and we'll find out he's playing on the Magic or something after he plays in the Suns because he'll just go there to disappear because who the, who the hell knows plays on the Suns besides freaking Shrew, a.k.a. Uh, Booker. That's I call him the Shrew, if anyone was wondering. Okay, dude. Uh, is there anything else we want to talk about before we dive into Jazz free agency, or is there any? Am, am I missing anything right now? Um, I mean, there's a bunch of minor signings that happened that uh, we – probably don't need to get into here we can maybe recap these another day um i think probably a lot of people listening right now if you are still listening uh want to hear a little jazz conversation and so i think we should probably get into that dude okay let's get into that side note real quick though i gotta make a really mean joke um washington wizards backed up the brinks truck for isaiah thomas for a year (laughs) sorry i had to say that back it up people you probably forget, but before Boston did him dirty, he said for his free agency, they have to back the Brinks truck up to pay him uh, for his free agency, and then his career just completely spiraled after they played him with his broken hip. Um, okay, let's go. Let's talk jazz. Um, I, I feel like it wouldn't be a service to Derek Favors if we just didn't acknowledge um, how much he's been appreciated here. Our last episode, I was so excited that we made the Conley deal happen without having to get rid of favors. And here we are talking about him um, signing with the Pelicans. Uh, it breaks my heart. It absolutely crushes me. Um, I feel like I feel like he'll fill it, though. Um, we were talking about how we're going to have to end up buying tickets to that first Pelicans game at Vivint Smart Home Arena to give him the standing ovation that he deserves. It better be a 30-minute standing ovation. I bet it's like 30 seconds or a minute or whatever. But, Derek, thank you for your service as a jazz man. You will be loved forever. I am already starting a petition to bring back favors uh, when you're a free agent every time till the end of your career and you retire. Uh, I will make sure 15 gets held or lifted into the rafters as Derek favors, definitely not Matt Harpering. Um, That being said, Kolb, how do you feel about the big signing. Yeah, well, first, I, I do want to also pay my respects to Derek Favors. God be with you till we meet again um, is the song that needs to be cued here because he was our longest tenured jazz man. Uh, he's been with us for, what, eight and a half years. And he threw lots of dark times, lots of great times. And I appreciate everything he did from the depths of my heart. So I hope he hears this. I hope he's listening right now. And, uh, as he eats some gumbo as he's looking for a new apartment in, in Louisiana. But yeah, uh, Favors was a necessary sacrifice, you could say, to sign Boyan 
Bogdanovic. I was going to say that he's Serbian or Croatian, he or is. I'm not exactly sure which of Croatian, those countries. I is he Croatian? Yes. Shouts to King's Landing. Shouts to Dubrovnik. Yeah. And to be honest, and we could kind of go back a little bit because Jazz initially had their sights. They were preferring to pick up Miritich. It's come out that our good friend Tony Jones said that the Jazz initial target was Nikola Miritich. And they were moving aggressively on him. Then all of a sudden, Meritage just said, peace, I'm going to Barcelona. And uh, he just left for Europe. So then the Jazz, uh, next up on the list, was was, uh, Boyan. And they started getting real aggressive. The Pacers thought that they were going to be able to get him back at a lower number, like four years for $50 And the Jazz just blew the doors off that offer and uh, went 0 to 100 real quick. Who said that, Drake? I think. (laughs) And uh, ended up picking him up, and honestly, I think it was a. I think it's an awesome signing. It's it's exactly what we need. Yeah, my first reaction was he's six eight and plays like a wing. Um, things unfolded later on that we'll get into that makes me feel a lot better about that. He, I don't know if you guys have gone and watched his highlights or have, you know followed him at all. He's he's more athletic, like get to the rim, Joe Ingles. It feels like he can create his own shot uh he has actually a really good turnaround game in the post which is really going to be fun to watch if we can get some mismatches on point guards uh he's quick off the ball he's moving all the time something that you love to see I was worried about his defense because obviously you hear about a less athletic white dude not being able to defend and from what I understand uh the Pacers fans were saying that he isn't the most gifted defender, but he tries really hard. And as funny as that sounds, that makes a big difference to me. Um, just because he's willing to, he's going to be willing to do what it takes to defend. Um, Quinn's defensive scheme is really, really well thought out and really designed to not show weaknesses in his players. And he plays to their strengths, mostly because we have the back-to-back defensive player of the year and Rudy Gobert covering the rim in the paint. It's going to make things a lot easier for him to be a really good defender um, around the perimeter. Hopefully we can come up with a scheme there, but I don't even think it's a big knock on him. I think he's a very uh, serviceable defender. But I think like Donovan was probably so excited with the Conley trade, but now that we have yet another guy who can... I mean, the past two years, this guy shot over 40% from three. In the corner, he's like knocked down, knocked down deadly. And now the the floor just opens up even more for both Conley and Donovan. Um, Another playmaker that can get the ball to Donovan as he cuts to the rim or gets the ball to Conley as he... uh, If anyone can hear noises in the background, that's my dog chewing his bone. Um, But he'll be able to, you know, be serviced from both Conley and from Donovan and anyone that has the ball, I'm going to be interested to see if it's going to be him at the four as we close games. I think that's kind of the consensus that we're going to be playing a little bit smaller ball, kind of how we ended games with Crowder sometimes. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I'm i extremely excited. Sorry to everyone on my Twitter feed when I sounded like I was a little skeptical for people who follow me. I'm not anymore. Uh, I miss I miss Derek, but I feel like this is that move we needed to make to break through that small market glass ceiling to actually become contenders. Yeah, man. All I can say is if anybody wants to envision what our offense is going to look like this next year and you don't want to wait till October, what you need to do is 
go to your DVD cabinet, pull out the Prince of Egypt, fast forward about halfway through, and watch Moses part the Red Sea. And that's going to be Donnie making his way to the rack because we have some shooters. It's going to be so sick. We've got threats all over the place. And I honestly, I mean, we we really, unfortunately, because Derek couldn't shoot the shoot the ball from three, it just it was just something that we have to have. We, we saw them struggle against Houston because we didn't have shooters on the perimeter. And now with Boyan, who can not only catch and shoot, I think at catch and shoot, he shot 45%, but he can obviously play and pick and roll. He can create his own shot. It's going to take a ton of stress off Conley and, uh, and Donovan, not to mention, um, you know, even though this happened literally what, four hours ago, uh, the signing of Jeff green, who's going to play a lot of minutes at the four, allows Boyan to play maybe more of in a more natural position at the three. And I haven't even had time to really wrap my head around how all this is going to work schematically, um, whether Ingles is going to be more of like a Ginobili coming yeah. off the bench um, as like a six-man in finishing games and having Conley at the one, Donnie at the two, Boyan at the three, Jeff Green at the four, and then Rudy at the five. Or if we're going to be more opponent-flexible uh, and dependent where you know sometimes – and I don't really want to jump into this all the way right now because we'll get to it, but having uh, having Ingles start at the three and then Boyan at the four and then Rudy at the five. So we've got a ton of flexibility now. And um, initially I was a little – well, actually, no, I was pretty stoked when I found out we signed Boyan. Who am I kidding? But, yeah, uh, yeah it's going to be great. It was a weird feeling. I mean, there's like it's like a feeling of an emptiness because Derek's gone, but also an excitement. Um, because we're bringing on something that we really needed for the past few years. Everyone, sit and think about that Houston series. Think of Ricky Rubio, Jay Crowder, Royce O'Neal, uh, Georgie Yang shooting the ball. And now think of, turn those into Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, Mike Conley, even Jeff Green. Turn that into more shots for Joe Ingles in the catch and shoot. Those shots are going to go in a lot more frequently, and that's going to open the floor for Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley and whoever else wants to drive to the rim. And our offense has become a lot more diverse and a lot more potent. I know the big knock on Donovan uh, in the national media is efficiency problems, but if you go back and watch the playoffs to where Donovan was being schemed for, there were five all five of the Rockets were below the free throw line when he would drive to the rack. That's not going to happen anymore. We're a lot better, like a lot better, and we were already a really good team. I think the most excited person through all of this isn't a player. I think it's Quinn Snyder. He can finally showcase uh, how good his offense can be when he has competent players. Not comp- I don't want to say the players weren't competent, but has has players in place that are made for this type of system. I think we're in a good spot, Cole. Yeah, I think the players can play within the roles they're more they more naturally fit in now. Um, Donovan obviously doesn't have to put the entire world on his shoulders anymore, um, but he'll be able to, like just like you mentioned, just like we've talked about, he'll be able to get to the rack a ton easier. The, our shooters actually have the term that gets thrown a lot is gravity, meaning. People aren't going to leave Boyan Bogdanovich in the corner to collapse on Donovan Mitchell. So, you know, Donnie's going to have to obviously make those good decisions and be able to dish and swing the ball around. And Quinn already has the blender, as they say, set up. And so it really just comes down to our guys being able to hit shots and then, you know, Donovan being able to make and, and Mike being able to make uh, the, the right decisions. So 
man, I still, like I say, we're, uh, we're four hours in, um, from the Jeff green deal. And that, that really changes a lot, uh, with how we're going to operate. It could, could change our, our whole scheme. So it's crazy, but honestly, I couldn't be more excited. I want to get into something we haven't even brought up, which is kind of bad on our part. Uh, bad radio, if you will. Ed Davis came in late on Sunday night too. That signing for what is it, two years, ten million? Like we're paying him five million a year or something like that. Um, yeah. And that—that's why I alluded to not being as concerned with losing Derek Favors because what Favors did was a lot of things that didn't show up in the stat sheet. He was doing off-ball screens. He was crashing the boards. He was boxing out an entire team sometimes so other people can get the rebound. He was willing to do things and accept that role, even though he was a lot more talented than he needed to be to do that role. Uh, a lot of things that won us some really crucial basketball games. Uh, one that really sticks out is that Milwaukee Bucks game where Donovan dropped like 45, I don't know, he almost had 50 points. But um, we sat Rudy because he was getting crushed and Derek stepped in and did a lot of dirty work for us. Uh, the Houston game when he got like five offensive rebounds at the end of the game we actually won. I was really worried that uh, Bog- Brogdanovich – is it Bogdanovich or Brogdanovich? I need to get that. It's uh, Bogdanovich. Bog- Bogdanovich. Like the – yep. Yeah, don't go – you're going to say Bog like some swampy thing. Don't go there, Colb. Uh. No, I was going to say like Brogdon, the fourth dragon without the R. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm sorry, listeners. <laughs> um Ed Davis does a lot of that. What do you what do you call him, Berg? Physical Ed, PE. Um, Physi- PE, yes. physical education. He is puts a- people through the ring and <laughs> takes them to class. <laughs> he is he's a beast. He really is like he's an energy he's yeah. the energizer bunny man. Yes. He, uh, I mean, he, it, rebounding percentage is through the roof. I mean, he only played like 15 minutes or 17 minutes or whatever it was, but I think he averaged like eight boards a game, and he's going to be a perfect spell for Rudy. And he, everybody says that he's a great locker room guy so you know chemistry is going to be awesome and he knows his role and takes pride in just basically doing all the dirty work he's basically like the junkyard dog shout out to the the swag daddy who for Shake <laughs> honestly how not very good he is he gets a lot of shout outs on this podcast <laughs> like he averages one one an episode it seems like yeah so uh he's uh ed's awesome and and it's definitely some insurance for rudy yeah i think i think that's what makes this Bogdanovich signing sit a lot easier. Um, obviously, it's going to sit well regardless because he helps our offense out so so much. But we have that player that's going to fill the role of Derek Favors, and we're going to be paying him a lot less to do that role. A really funny signing, which we got to bring up because it happened almost right after the Jeff Green signing, was the Emmanuel Moutier <laughs> signing. Um, literally out of the blue. I mean... This is a guy that when we played Denver, I was rooting for to shoot the ball because he's so bad at scoring and putting the ball in the, the basket, even though he's not scared to take shots. At first, we were thinking, like, maybe this is us to fill that Neto, Neto role. Uh, shout out to Raul Neto as well. You are gone. Uh, I'm not sure if you'll be as missed as Derek Favors. You were pretty maddening, but also you played pretty sweet defense and did some funny stuff. So shout out to you. But, yeah, I think that... It's turning out that Quinn wants to kind of see if there's any untapped potential in there and develop Moutier a little bit more than he was never he was never really developed, right? He didn't go to college. He went straight to, was it China or somewhere to play basketball yeah. out of high school and then um, got drafted by the Nuggets and just got into a system where it's like, here's the ball, go score, because that team 
uh, at least back then, was just a joke, and they didn't really care, and they just wanted had a bunch of guys that wanted to shoot the basketball. Maybe, I mean, he's still really young. Uh, he still averaged like 10 points. He averages 10 points for his career. He's still really young. He still got a lot of minutes last year. Uh, played for the awful Knicks. Again, uh, not a great organization to go to from a Denver to the Knicks because all you're going to do is shoot the ball and have uh, no real system behind you to help you succeed. Quinn's probably really excited about this. Um, what do you think, Cole? Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about this for, for a couple reasons. Um, the first one being... Like Moutier, he, so he was drafted in the draft with D'Angelo Russell. He was drafted seventh overall. He was a lottery pick that had, honestly, had a ton of hype about him. So I don't know if, if some of my excitement is just kind of remembering that draft and a lot of the speculation and hype that came from uh, from Moutier. But it's a super low-risk signing. We're literally paying him peanuts to come play with us for one year. Um, his agency said that... They wanted him to play with the Jazz in our developmental system, and it's it's just a super low risk deal. I mean, if he he played 27 minutes a game last year, averaged 15 points on what like 12 shots, I think. If Quinn can and our development staff can make him a little more efficient, um, that's awesome. I mean, if he if he can spell Conley or spell um, Exum or however, I mean, he's a combo guard, so he can play the one and the two, and so I think. I think they'll be able to fit him in a nice little backup role there, where he can come in, get buckets, stabilize us when, you know, when when our when Donovan and Conley need some rest, and, you know, let's say it doesn't work out, let's say it's just terrible. Um, I mean, you know, we can cut him or trade him or waive him or whatever, and literally no harm, no foul, it's no big deal. But I feel like he, there actually is a pretty decently high ceiling there, and it's a gamble that we can afford to make with Exum coming up and Donnie being able to play the one and the two and having a little more flexibility there. So I'm actually really excited about it just because it could be the cherry on top of a, of an already great team. And again, if it doesn't work out, we can always just kind of get rid of him. But I think the most exciting thing about it is we have players that want to come play for us now. And I know they're not, I mean, it's not Kawhi, it's not Kevin Durant, but Jeff Green wants to play for Like people were saying today, national writers, not just jazz homers, that Jeff was comfortable in Washington, so he could you know, he could have been there, got more minutes, whatever, or he could have uh, contended for a championship, and so he opted to contend for a championship. And thinking about and actually soaking in those words that were a title contender, and I know we talked about this a lot last time, so we're not going to go into it. It's pretty awesome, and it's awesome that other teams recognize it. And Jeff is great friends with Conley; they played together in Memphis, and he wanted to play with Mike Conley again. And then uh, back to Moutier, his Moutier's agency wanted him to come on play under Quinn and the developmental staff here because they felt like Quinn could be and the the overall staff coaching staff can be the 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 right group to to turn him around and so you know I think it's awesome that that we're recognized around the league like that as a contender and a team that develops players well it's honestly really cool and I think it also plays to just the hype that uh, Donovan and Rudy and the rest of the team has brought to this t- this organization that's been gone for 20 years or so. Berg, did you buy your Don issue ones yet? Dude, so I went online July 1st. That was Monday. That was yesterday. And checking out. I, I have to get the red and the blues, of course. Got to do it for Spida. And it said delivery wouldn't be for like 7 to 10 business days. Wow. And so I'm like, eh. And so I called uh, I called House of Hoops at City Creek, and they're like, "Yeah, we get them on July 5th. Like we'll have them in stock." So, I uh, 
I have planned to before I go into work. I'll probably go into work a little bit late and pick up my Don ones. Hey, yeah. <laughs> what's um, your plan? I am going to wait till August first because the well, the black and green ones come out. They were called the they call them like the venom. What I don't not the venoms. They call them something like that. Um, symbiote or I don't know. They got symbiote. Symbiote. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, initially when they came out, they were calling them the Green Goblins online and. Uh, for those of you who don't know, my high school car all the way up until just a few years ago, my my beloved Green Goblin was the my ride there for a long time. And a part of me died when I got rid of that car, so I'm hoping buying these shoes that are its namesake uh, will make me feel whole again. Uh, it makes sense for KP to be riding in the Green Goblin, so I'm going to get those ones. Hey man, dude, I can still smell the David's Pizza and hear the Ocean Avenue playing, playing in the Green Goblin, so mm-hmm. shout out to the Green Goblin. And I'm going to say this to all the listeners. I'm not an Adidas person. I've worn Nike my entire life. I'm a Nike guy. Checks over stripes, as uh, Drake says. But that said, the, the appreciation and love for the Jazz trumps everything and for Donovan. If you have some spare cash, they're 100 bucks. So work a little overtime. Do what you got to do and support the kid. Pick your favorite of the four shoes. The colorways all will be released by like mid-August. So go pick up a pair of the shoes, send us your pictures of the shoes, and uh, obviously we'll give you some love. Send us some pictures on Twitter, on Instagram, and uh, we'll we'll give you some shout-outs. But let's support Donnie. Um, Everybody could always use a fresh new pair of basketball shoes. And for everything that Donovan's done for us, let's let's pick up his kicks because they're actually pretty sweet and they're for our guy. The freaking player on the Jazz has a signature shoe, so go pick some up. So fun. Uh, it's been years since Carl Malone's L.A. gear dropped, so go get some Don issue ones, everybody. Get all four if you can afford it, or buy two pairs and give one away. Just make sure those things are sold out so the world can see how awesome Donovan Mitchell is. Um, anything else we didn't cover? I'm sure we probably forgot a few things that, you know, what's that? so much crazy stuff has happened that's bound to happen. Bombs are dropping all over our heads. I want to reiterate that we really were waiting for Kawhi to make his decision. And then he didn't, and he still hasn't. Uh, he might by the time this gets posted. I don't know. But the fourth is coming up, and we want to spend time with friends and family. We didn't want to be podcasting if he does make his decision, so we decided to poke our heads out of the, the bomb shelter and do a quick pod for you guys. Um, Berg, anything else? I'm going to come out and say that regardless of whether Kawhi goes to the Lakers, which deep down I've accepted that he probably is, but hoping that he's not, I still feel – um, like we might be the team of destiny this year. I, I'm going to knock on all the wood as I say that, so I'm not jinxing us. But uh, yeah, just want to thank everybody for listening. This is kind of an off-the-cuff pod where I'm still trying to soak all this jazz information in. I mean, we've had a pretty massive turnover the last over the last week or two um, from personnel and, and what the outlook is. So appreciate everybody for listening. Uh, appreciate everybody for the, the great comments on Instagram and Twitter and everywhere else and in person, preferably as well. We appreciate those. And uh, stay tuned. We have some other stuff coming for you. But have a happy 4th of July. The United States of America is a great country to live in where we can enjoy basketball and everything else and the freedoms that we have. And, Kurt, it's always a pleasure, man. It's a pleasure, everybody. And we will be doing some other stuff that's not basketball-related soon. Uh, I promise you, my wife, we will do that. Uh, until then, until next time, until Kawhi Leonard decides, uh, we will be there. Thank you for listening.